Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. I yeah. Joe the movie um, uh, for, for for the remainder. This is this is how they shot G.I. Joe the movie. This is how we, this is how we, <laughs> they, they had a character come in. No, I mean really. <laughs> I mean to be fair, they sort of did when they said Duke's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean exactly to be fair. What I mean, um, what's the, a few questions that I have just about this movie? Like one, it's. One of the things that really hit me, and I had forgotten a lot of it since I hadn't seen it in, in, a, in a while uh, from watching it, was just how disturbing it is. Like, 10-year-old, 11-year-old Ray, when he saw G.I. Joe the movie in uh, uh, for the first time, uh, was <laughs> terrified, pants-poopingly terrified by most of the Cobra Law stuff that was happening, from the face-hugging aliens to Pythona dripping acid out of her nails to just the spores turning people into mutants. Like, Buzz, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and, and, and where did... Because G.I. Joe maybe, like, grazed upon, like, horror elements before, but this is, like... I, I told these guys for the movie, guys, the thing you need to know about G.I. Joe the movie coming in is this movie raises the stakes like <laughs> nothing you've ever seen uh, from A to B before. Like, this movie goes for it. Why? <laughs> like, well, what, what brought all this about? Well, I, I – uh, what brought it all about was that my father worked in women's clothing. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I'll explain that. My, uh, please. My father um, – when my father graduated from college, well, when he was in college, he said, what is – he says, I want to live in the South for the rest of my life. Don't hold that against him. Choices are made. <laughs> uh, you know, he says, what industry is there in the South? And this was early 1950s. What industry is there in the South that has the, the most – is the most stable, right. has the most job opportunities? <laughs> and uh, that would have been the textile industry. So he became what is called a time studies engineer, which is around about – it's kind of like being an efficiency expert. Though. Okay. More specifically, he figures out how long it takes to make a particular garment, and he figures out what the budget is per garment based on that. And then he calls Andy to find out that he can make it for cheaper. Yeah, no, yeah well, that's, that's <laughs> kind of what happened because he's, he specialized in women's garments. I mean his his specialty was knowing how to – do the time studies on that. Um, but the problem was is that once he got 
the factory working as efficiently as possible. When they don't well, need him anymore. They don't need him. And so <laughs> yeah. he, he would lose his job. And as a result, my family moved around quite a bit when I was growing up. And when I discovered Monster Magazines and I realized there, was, there were fans who wrote to one another through these Monster Magazines, I got involved in Monster Fandom and then from that in Sci-Fi Fandom because now my friends were waiting for me in the mailbox mm-hmm. whenever we moved mm-hmm. somewhere, especially that era too. Yeah, like that's a it was it was it was, oh, was kind of new, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like yeah, 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 it was it was huge. I mean, first off, the you you have it's forgotten now, but at the time it was called the the new the the new wave old stuff feud, and it was basically the the nuts and bolts engineer sci-fi guys. Um. Having it out with the people like Harlan Ellison and um, Norman Spinrad and all all these groundbreaking guys that were saying there's a lot more that can be done with the genre, mm-hmm. and um, I I was a fan at that time. I was involved in this uh, huge, you know, I mean, really, people came to blows over it. There were fist fights. There was all which, kinds. Which, of, which side were you on? Um, what I, was your What was your gang? I well, I I actually liked the edgy stuff better because as as much fun as much fun as the nuts and bolts stuff was, it was too pet. There was always the 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 thing that was disappointing about a lot of sci-fi was that it just had this very pet. Everything is back to normal. Um, a friend of mine, late friend of mine, Bill Warren, wrote a book called "Keep Watching the Skies," which was is is the reference work for 1950s sci-fi films. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he defined the 1950s sci-fi film as, as a period from 1948 to 1964. And we got in a discussion what, about what marked the difference between 50s sci-fi and 60s sci-fi. And the difference is this. In 50s sci-fi, the old order is restored. The, um, you know, the, the, the Martians come... You fight the Martians, they almost win, and then they're defeated, and everything goes back to normal. But 60s sci-fi, things have changed irrevocably at cool. the end of the story, and and it has changed for everybody. You are not going back to normal. And there were a few films in the 50s that kind of prefigured this, that indicated, you know, it's... Something like The Day the Earth Stood Still? The Day the Earth Stood Still, that? that was the first one that popped into mind, but also The Incredible Shrinking Man. Okay. The Incredible Shrinking Man ends with, you know, you're just going to have to come to terms with the fact you're going to be shrinking forever, <laughs> you know. Um, and as a kid, I watched, the, there was a show called The Outer Limits, which mm-hmm. oh, yeah. which scared the crap out of mm-hmm. me. I mean, I I... I only saw two or three Outer Limits episodes all the way through because generally I, <laughs> I bailed by the first commercial. I mean, it was too scary yeah. for me. My, my parents finally said, you know, we're not going to let you wa- sit up to watch this. And the episodes that I would watch all the way through, the ones that were the least visually scary – Ends up being the ones that sink the hooks in the deepest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was one with Donald Pleasance where he acquires um, psychic powers, the ability to to do things, and it, it becomes his downfall. It's not you know it's not a cool great thing to to acquire. And the one that really stuck with me there's a episode called Tourist Attraction, which is essentially a remake of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
in which the creatures win. Hmm. Oh. You know, mm-hmm. humans are encroaching into these sentient reptiles' habitat, mm-hmm. and the re- they win. They <laughs> defeat the humans. They, they wipe what out. What probably happen. Yeah, they wipe out the uh, – they destroy the dam that the humans are building, and they wipe out the village below it. They kill – you know, 90% of the cast. So, do you think then that because you had so much more freedom for making the movie that this is why you decided like to, what, to quote unquote go for it? That's what I decided to do. And and I, I drew on this vast well that, you know, exists in science fiction. A lot of the stuff with the spores and launching things into space that came indirectly from Larry Niven's known space series. In the known space series, he's got these things called booster trees, which have, have basically been seeded throughout the galaxy. They are, they are trees that will grow on any planet, but they grow in the form of solid fuel boosters. Oh. So if you're, if you're trapped on a planet and you need to get back in orbit, you cut down a few of these trees, mm. strap them together, and you can launch yourself into orbit. Mm. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and he worked out the, the biology of this, how, they would, how these things could, you know, thrive. Make it real. Exactly. Made yeah. it real. <laughs> And so I, I was going, well, you can. you can. You can do genetic engineering. You can monkey around with things like this. You can change stuff around. Um, obviously, I, I knew, um, you know, Shangri-La, lost civilizations, mm-hmm. things like this. The idea of a hidden Illuminati-like group. Mm-hmm. You know, that, big. Did, did you yeah. did you pull a lot from the Alien movies too? There I was, mean, was I, I saw a lot of crossover yeah. uh, between well, there. It. There was there because we, you know, at, at the time it was everybody was talking about it about you know the face hugger and the yeah. acid yeah. for blood and stuff like that. It's terrifying, exactly. <laughs> you know? And and other people were using the same basic sure. ideas, and and we said, well, you know, at that point, let's go for it. So, and, so at what point then, like, because the Cobra Law civilization is basically uh, um, humanoids mm-hmm. uh, uh, interacting with insects. And then there's, like, the hybrid. The Royal Guard are insect humans. Yeah. And then every single thing they do, like, uh, uh, what really freaked out Gina and blew her mind is the beetle key. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is when they use the, the beetle as a key to open the, the stalactites <laughs> and what have you. And, like, you kept talking about it well after the fact. Like, guys, let's get back to the fact there was a beetle for a key. Also, the, st- <laughs> the stick bug that was, like, a bridge thing. The stick yeah. bug bridge. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is straight out of, like, my anime, like, <laughs> nightmares. Um, and, 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 like, the beetle. Beatles that came to form the red carpet uh, yeah. when uh-huh. Serpentor came yeah. out. Like, like wh- where did where did any of that like come from? Like the the bug people that just have bugs for everything. It was like it was like the Flintstones but evil. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty much where it, it came from. I mean, you there were so many shows being done at that time that were based on a particular gimmick. There were shows right. like uh, Mask. There was um, Insectoids. They 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 would all. Pick a gimmick, even you know, even stuff like strawberry shortcake. Well, everybody's got a f- fruit theme. Yeah, <laughs> we we've done an episode of strawberry shortcake relatively recently, and we 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 noticed a pattern. <laughs> so you 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 recognize this is this exists already in this this genre, this this type of programming. Nobody blinks an eye at it. You might as well take it and run with it. I've I've said before when I've been on this show. Um, I, one of my philosophies as a writer is em, embrace the absurdity. Absolutely. If if you're going to tell me, all right, we're going to do a show about forty foot tall robots that change into cars. Yes. <laughs> all right. I will absolutely do that show, 
and I will do it with with the fact that they change into cars. I will do it with them getting you know, uh, boots on them because they're parked too long or I'll get them getting a ticket and, you know, things. I said, if we're going to do it, we do it. We we do the whole thing. You, you can't go halfway. No, you have you to can. embrace you have what to it embrace is. It. Yeah. And, and when I was a kid, I loved, um, I loved Superboy comics more than I loved Superman comics because Superboy would do those goofy stories. Mm-hmm. Superboy would say, mm-hmm. well, you know what would happen if, if um, Lana Lang turned into an insect? Well, let's <laughs> find <laughs> out. <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's, this is what kills most creative ideas is somebody will sit there and they'll – going back to the cloud guy, you know. Somebody said, well, what if there's a cloud – and someone goes, oh, that wouldn't work. I mean, we we couldn't do a story about a cloud. I mean, how how does the cloud tie in and whatnot? Well, it's your damn job as the creator yeah, yeah, yeah. to figure out how the cloud ties in. Yeah. Well, there, there's also, I think, with just a lot of the more absurd things that are happening now, like, it's very self-referential. It's yeah. very, like, mugging and looking yeah. at the camera. It's like, the, the scene from The Avengers, really, when Hawkeye's just, like, in the in the, the house, he's like, yeah, and I'm wearing purple, and I got a bow, and we're fighting aliens, and that's where we are. And I guess there's the thing about that line is just like, well, you don't need to call out the game. Yeah. Like, you know, just a, a, a love the game, but you don't have to be like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. It has to make sense it has, for it, it to make sense. It has to make sense in the context. And and you can get away with a fantasy. You can, you can arbitrarily say a fantasy of we're going to have a world where everybody has a kitten sitting on their head. And this is just I'm what already this in. Everybody <laughs> yeah. has a kitten sitting on their head, and then you just build everything off of that, you know. But you can't at some point have somebody go, "Well, why we got kittens on?" Our <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, no, that's not what this world is. Yeah, it. Believe it or not, that comes for me. It's like I, I was a, I was a fan of B westerns as a kid. I sure. would watch Hopalong Cassidy and Roy Rogers all the time, and you just go. Okay, I'm going to accept the fact that here we are in the middle of the modern world. We we see a character driving a jeep, and nonetheless, I'm going to accept that Roy and Dale just hop on horses and take <laughs> horses wherever they have to go, because I want to see Roy and Dale ride Trigger and I can't remember what Buttercup. I think I may be wrong, but I you know Dale's horse, whatever. Just show me. You know, I'll take that yeah, and. It- and we in GI Joe, we want to see Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow fighting with swords, even though they have access to bombs and machine guns. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, this is what we want. Give us the thing we want. Well, in the in the uh, GI Joe novel, I did the most dangerous sure. man in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, shipwreck interrupts their fight because ship, shipwreck does the logical thing. Well, <laughs> yes. Hey, that's right. There's a guy there with a belt full of explosives. I'll shoot him with a laser. You know, boom. <laughs> you know, fight over. You know. <laughs> Yeah, he's Indiana Jones coming in with a gun yeah. to to the yeah. wood fight. Yeah, and he messes it up for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Buzz, there was recently a list. I think you posted it as well because we also posted it of like the most – what was it? The most, oh, the like, 15 things got by the censors. And they got by the censors. And it yes. included my, my favorite, which was uh, Shipwreck's uh, daughter – Holding a bazooka at him because that got cut out got in cut out. further episodes, and yeah. that is one of my. That's still my fa- one of my favorite episodes. Because did the episode we saw that had that scene in it, didn't it, or did it not? I don't remember. It, now. They cut no. away. I think they yeah, cut away we, fast because it was more extended in the. Yeah, yeah the I think we found on YouTube the. Uh, yeah. the, the there the we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, the, that, I loved that list though because Polly comes in and grabs the bazooka and then they like struggle over it and. 
in the extended cut, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Was was there stuff that got cut from the movie? How? <laughs> There's so much in there. Well, the, the short answer is yes, because oh. we had we had um, there were there were timing issues. I mean, you just you'd look at a scene and go, eh, "This is a beat too long," and you just trim it down. Yeah. And that's that's generally unimportant stuff. That's like you know mm-hmm. uh, an extra airplane exploding or something like that. Um, the big cut, the the one scene, and you can you you can see the fingerprints of the original scene. By by how it is actually depicted, um, Falcon brings his date onto the Joe base and uh-huh. showing her all the the cool stuff. Spoiler and, alert! Yeah. It turns out to be Zarana. Yeah. Could never have seen. <laughs> Nobody it taught him about disguises. Yeah. 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 So after that scene, she leaves, and everybody. She's been played up to this point as this airheaded, um, mm-hmm. you know, southern blonde. She drives off to uh, a remote lake she gets out of the car she she does a standard 80s oh here's a lake i'll go skinny dipping scene Mm -hmm. Uh takes off her hat takes off the sundress in the script and in the original storyboard she is seen topless from behind wearing just panties this was on that that list list. yeah um uh, one of the other uh, dreadnoughts comes on, makes a snide comment. She judo flips him into the lake. <laughs> and uh, at that point, uh, Zartan tosses her, um, you know, uh, her top that she puts on and she's now back in her regular costume. Storyboarded, got all the way through, got to the actual animation stage. Somebody at Hasbro got cold feet. No. Uh-huh. And the moment the sundress the shoulderless sundress yep. comes oh, off yeah. uh-huh. boing the the standard top has yep. appeared underneath <laughs> it uh-huh. <It's> magic. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair though, there was an episode and I can't remember which one it was but they were in a factory and the Cobra ha- Cobra soldiers had infiltrated the factory and it's one of my favorite I took screen grabs of the pieces because it's it's a, 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 a man there a woman there is like a, a, a nun yeah. and so she's got the habit and you see her entire face and rips the mask off to reveal the bandana and helmet <laughs> and i'm just like that's simply the greatest disguise yeah. of all time uh buzz was the intention to ever turn cobra commander back to his old self or did you guys want to leave him as as this i was mutated? i was we were told there were, there were certain characters that were going to be cycled out and, oh, and the man. reason they're gonna cycle out cobra they were gonna commander, cycle out co- cycle out what? Cobra commander. What? that's well, crazy see, this is this is what had happened, and I'm not saying this is a slam against Hasbro, but they did not realize what they had. Yeah. Uh, for sure. They viewed this as, well, it's a series of toys. And, and one year we put out blue-colored toys, and the next year we put out red-colored toys, and then the year after that we put out toys with a feather on it. But it's basically we just change – you know, we give them a different one each time. Mm-hmm. And they didn't understand. No, no, no. They these are characters. Yeah. These are not interchangeable at this point. These are characters that have personalities. And every single one of these characters, even even the rank and file Cobra guys, yeah, they have their fans. They mm-hmm. want to see these yeah. characters. Yeah, you created a universe, not a toy line. I mean, and, out of and the toy line, but they, still, <laughs> they wanted to introduce these new characters. They wanted to introduce the characters that Sergeant Slaughter was training, and they wanted yeah. to introduce. Oh yeah, the um, um, 
We've I mean, got- the irony was that the Don Johnson character, not played by Don Johnson, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chuckles, uh, the Chuckles, yeah, the, uh, the, the Hawaii Five O dude, uh, not Hawaii Five O, um, Miami Vice, Miami Vice, there we go. yeah. Um, they they wanted to include these characters, and they wanted the movie to introduce the characters. Mm-hmm. And the lesson that the movie teaches is this: if you have an existing universe. You don't use that universe to get rid of old characters and introduce new ones. You mm-hmm. use that movie to tell the story of the existing characters. Mm-hmm. You might be able to shoehorn a few new ones in. You might bump off one or two of the lesser ones, but you... You, you can't replace the whole thing. You can't yeah. replace the whole thing. And what they were trying to do was replace the whole thing. <laughs> one of the things that I was disappointed was that this forced us into a very... Standard, well, we're the oddballs that nobody thinks can do the job, but we're going to show them. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was it's essentially the Goonies mm-hmm. type thing. It's the misfit storyline. The misfit storyline. Yeah. You know, and the misfit storyline works when that is the storyline. When mm-hmm. it's the Dirty Dozen. When it's the Guns of Navarone. When it's you know, oh my God, we're we we have an impossible mission. There's nobody, there's nobody available except these assholes and we're going to throw them in you know and just hope for the best and they're probably going to fail but you know it's the only it's the only shot we have but that has to be the crux of the story it has to it can't be the the d story exactly which is basically what it was in gi joe the movie i mean all things considered yeah like there there are so many other things going on in this movie that they i mean because you've got you've got cobra law which is the a story you've got the lieutenant falcon and his journey is the b story you've got sergeant slaughter's crew coming in as is is in there you you know uh, you've got cobra commanders cobra commander stories i mean you get you get all this stuff in there we were i was trying to put as much stuff in there Mm -hmm. i was i was frustrated in that they kept pushing me towards doing the new characters at the expense of the old characters yeah I, i I was so disappointed they wouldn't let me do anything more with um, with shipwreck oh, and sure. um, mm-hmm. uh, major blood. I mean, he's, there's like 18 frames oh, of major we, we blood. About <laughs> I, you've yeah. told us that story yeah. about major blood for 30. <laughs> so when major blood in the opening credits flies by on a fang uh, or a, a glider or whatever it was, I just remember I turned to Gene. I'm like, hope you got your fill of major blood because <laughs> that's all you're going to see that's in this it. whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and then that, that opening like extended like two minute long credit sequence at the beginning. It uh, was not a credit sequence, but the, the, the intro sequence. It, I, I, it was, I didn't notice it until after having talked to you, having watched it this time, how many old characters make their one and only appearance. That's in there. It's like literally here's our unit. It's like the Simpsons when Bart goes yeah. by and he goes by like a hundred oh, yeah, characters because yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> Somebody, somebody was wise enough at Hasbro to say, you know, we we need to have every single character in the opening sequence so that every kid will at least feel, Think, well, at least yeah. my guy got in there at some point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it is it is great. I mean, it is it is a wonderful opening sequence. It's, it's one of the best of all time. I mean, you're not even giving <laughs> enough credit. That, like, the, the I don't even know where the concept of the theme song came from. I had nothing to do with it. It was brilliant. Like, but the way the whole thing is just put together where they're defending the Statue of Liberty in a very G.I. Joe-esque fashion. I, I, the darkness, the scariness, like the ominousness of that theme song when it starts out. Just, I'm, getting, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it right it now. Is, like, it's it so good. It is wonderful. And if they had said to me, Buzz started out with a two-minute sequence where every character comes in and does their bit, I would have said, sure, I can do that. Yeah. Uh But, I mean, 
To be fair, you, you know, probably would have said, can I do that for 90 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I – um, you know, I, I'm looking – I'm – the the thing that bothered me because I saw it for the first time when we saw the rough cut of the movie. Sure, it was like, where did this come from? Right, you know, and oh, well, we added it, and it's well, why are they attacking the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> don't worry about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. They're going to blow up the Statue of Liberty. And I said, but you know, every other Joe episode, we've got some logical target. Yeah. Cobra yeah. has a point to what they're a point doing. They're doing. I mean, this is just. Oh, we're going to screw you guys over and blow up the Statue yeah. of Liberty, you know. And then X Men stole uh, the X Men movie stole that plot line. Correct. Well, actually, that was, that was stolen. Believe it or not, uh, I won't say stolen, but the people who did it first was Barbara Streisand. <laughs> she did a movie. Really? She did a movie called Up the Sandbox, in uh. which she has these uh, flights of fantasy. She daydreams, and she imagines herself. In different situations, she imagines real situations hmm. escalating out of control. Mm-hmm. And in one of the latter ones, she imagines joining up with a bunch of Black Panthers to blow up the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and they actually blow up the Statue of Liberty. Oh it's awesome. <laughs> This movie now. Uh, I will say, like, the, the, the opening scene where Cobra just randomly attacks the Statue of Liberty really does, like, introduce the idea of the Deke universe, though, where Cobra yeah. just does things to do things and there's yeah. no real through line or concept yeah. behind yeah. it. Which, by the way, I saw that episode, a Deke episode before this, and I said, why is Cobra Commander a snake? That is correct. <laughs> that, that was the Dragonfire episode. Gina put the kebab. We're gonna do the, we were going to do the five-part Dragonfire and then see how it goes. Uh-huh. Um, and we hadn't watched the movie yet. We watched the first episode, and Gina's like, she could not get over the fact that Cobra Commander... Commander was a snake. I like to Didn't... watch things in order, Ray. Continuity. <laughs> Look at the Marvel Universe, Universe. continuity. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I flat out refuse to watch episode two until we've seen the movie. Yeah. So now are we going back and, and watching the rest? It's, I mean, I think we have to now. Yeah. Now I know why we he's a snake. Don't, don't <laughs> I mean, it's not, to do it's not great. Like, I mean, like even, <laughs> but even then with the, the Deke thing, it's the same thing. It's your same complaint with the movie. It's that they're just introducing a dozen new, well, in the case of the movie, 35 new characters. Wait, so then do those characters carry over into the Deke version? Not even a single one of them. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh. They, they remained in the toy line, though. Are they yeah. never seen again? Not really. In the movie? Well, they couldn't get Don it? Johnson for Deke. They didn't have well, money yeah. for that. By the know? way, I was so excited that Burgess, when I saw Burgess Meredith's name up there. We, oh, it was what, so, 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 Did you know you were going to have him for the movie, or did you create the character no, we, and then go I, find him? I, oh, well, I uh, him. that's another one of the things that got changed, because as I said, we had to, to get everything approved by Hasbro. And so my idea when I was doing this was that uh, Globulus was going to be this Charles Lawton as Nero type character. It's great. Huge, rotund, mm-hmm. fat guy. Oh, just, yes, another another rodent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're dropping live mice into his uh-huh. mouth. Hedonism bot like from Futurama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's carried about on a litter, you know, these... Yeah. Beautiful uh, ladies are carrying him about. <laughs> he never gets off. He's he's just this big round blob. And in the end, Sergeant Slaughter has fought his way across. Cobra Law is is confronting Globulus is the last thing. And Globulus goes, "Oh well, I suppose I must deign myself to get up and deal with you." He gets up, and you realize this is not fat; it's muscle. He's blinding uh. fast. He's strong. You can't hit him and hurt him. It's it's Sergeant Slaughter is facing the biggest challenge of his life, and that's what it was going to be. And he's yeah. like, I was describing him as like uh, like a ballerina on his toes, just coming across <laughs> and then 
whipping out a move and knocking, you know, Sergeant oh, Slaughter right. through a yeah. I would have loved that. That's, I would have loved and that. And Sergeant Slaughter doesn't even end up fighting him in the movie. In it's the fought end, by Lieutenant Falcon for yeah, the journey in, purpose. In the, in the um, it, go, it goes to, to Hasbro and Hasbro comes back and says, ah, it's, he's a little too, you know, gay. <laughs> you know, we, we don't like it. You know what, though? But if you put Burgess Meredith playing that character, mm-hmm. he's less gay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, anyway, for lack of a better term. Anyway, so they they changed it. They made him this uh, this different character. And and again, by the time I saw what the changes were, I said, "Well, let me rename him. Let me call him something different. Yeah. Give him a different backstory." And they said, "No, no, no. We're we're going with it. Okay, <laughs> fine." Because he kept the the, the regalness, the Romanness yeah. about him is yeah. there, but a lot of those finer points just yeah. washed away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it was it was great working with Burgess Meredith. I mean, it was tons of fun. That's, aw- that's so awesome. It was, yeah, it was it was just um, um, you know him and the Sarge. I mean, they were they were both great. Uh, uh, Johnson, I didn't. He was recorded in in Miami because he was shooting Miami Vice at the time, sure. and they he was yeah. recorded separately. Um, we were having lunch. We broke for lunch when Burgess Meredith was recording, and we're so we're sitting around. Eating and and I looked at him and I said, "You got to forgive me, but I'm going to ask this." And so he's <laughs> expecting a penguin question. Oh, oh that's I, all oh. I would have wanted. To no, talk I about. would have wanted to talk to him about the Twilight Zone. Okay, also fantastic. Yeah. That's your favorite episode at, of the Twilight uh, Zone. Yeah. I looked at him and said, "Tell me about the rabbits, George." <laughs> <laughs> And he blinked and he smiled and he said, you know, nobody remembers that anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, to be fair, the penguin was yeah. where it was Yeah, at. I mean, oh, he's yeah. kind of he's, – he's this well, makes me realize how many ro- how many amazing roles he's okay, oh, Rocky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, playing the trainer yeah. on Rocky. Yeah. Mickey is just – I didn't – I'd seen Rocky before when I was a kid and I didn't realize that was Burgess was Meredith. Same, you didn't know. Oh. I only knew Burgess Meredith as Globulus and the Penguin. Yeah. And because those were two, yeah. the Batman 1966 and G.I. Joe were like the two biggest things in the world as far as I was concerned. <laughs> oh. And this is Ray in like 1986, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I was very popular. And <laughs> um, and so all of a sudden I go back and watch Rocky when I'm like in, in, in high school, college, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> This is the thing he's probably oh, like his, his most critically like deal. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, did you watch the Transformers movie and only realize like thirty years later? You, you watch like uh, uh, Citizen Kane. I'm like, oh right, right, yeah, Unicron. Yeah, that guy. Oh, he also did other stuff. What? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Unicron got other work. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, oh if you gracious. you've heard him selling peas, I hope. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. That's an epic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we only got a little bit more time. Uh, I could go all day. Uh, the, the the love story between Falcon and Jinx is so. I know it's very nineteen. It's nine. It's of a different era, <laughs> but that through line is so problematic like what is it i guess like well, where did that came come out from? of nowhere too yeah because essentially the <laughs> scene opens he's on a date with another girl who he's ready to take right there in the in the base and then immediately he meets jinx he starts getting physically starts grabbing her slapping her on the butt and like and sexually harassing very, her it was a very 1980s yeah approach. it was yeah i mean it was, this was this was what was um 
fairly typical in, in films of that mm-hmm. era. Yeah. One of the things that Hasbro wanted was for it to look as much like a 1980s movie sure. as possible. They yeah. wanted it. They Fair. did not want it to be a, quote, kids film. They yeah. wanted it to well, be. You didn't get that. <laughs> they wanted <laughs> yeah. it to be a film that looked like, you know, uh, uh, an adult would watch it. Sure. it. It would have the the same type of story construction, the same type of threats and whatnot that, uh you know. it, it just really struck me though because we have that opening scene like that is it and I'm just like looking over at Gina and it's like ooh that's happening and then uh, and then they don't really have a ton of chemistry and then at the end it's like oh by the way we're gonna make out now <laughs> it, it, and it, that is but hearing what you say it though that they wanted it to feel like you know a Stallone movie a Schwarzenegger yeah. movie was, that's exactly what happens in all those movies yeah there there was no chemistry because they were they were not in the recording studio at the same time oh, they weren't yeah. even in the same side of the continent you know <laughs> um and and the thing that Wally Bird did for the the series that was was very smart on Wally's part was that he brought everybody in who was going to even if you only had one line you came in for the whole session and and Wally walked you through the story at the beginning he would he would you would sit down and you would go through the script and he wouldn't read it line by line but he said okay now they're going to be attacking you know this uh freighter and you guys are going to be climbing up the side of the freighter while they're shooting at you. And then so that people had an idea, well, what what is my line supposed to be like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can't do it in a yeah. vacuum. Exactly. It's not going to make sense when put in context. Yeah. And, you know, this is why when you when you see Saturday morning cartoons that were done poorly, the and dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue is all done yeah. at a very loud, fevered pitch. And there's no balance for the context of yeah. the situation. I was really born too late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you 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 try to have that. You try to have some kind of interaction with it. Um, you, you don't want to have it. You don't want to have, as the old joke goes, you know, people are in two different... They're, in, they're acting in two different movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that too often happens when you break this stuff up and you say, well, we'll do all of this guy's scenes at one time and all of this person's scenes at another time. You need that interaction. You need to know what the other person is doing and thinking. And the characters didn't have the chemistry. I, I copped to that. That just, you know, we we were trying to emulate 80s action films. Sure. And, you know, if we had had another six weeks, six months, mm-hmm. you know, and and it had been make this the C story instead of the... It would have been G at that point. That's right. <laughs> Storyline, but we were just trying to keep as many you know plates spinning as possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. there's so much. That, so much is happening in this movie yeah, at a given yeah. time. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys have. I have one more question for me, and I mean, I don't mean to be taking up all the the thing, but. Um, you half answered it earlier, but just there are so many new characters that are introduced in this movie and, and now understanding kind of where it's coming from. But like, did they just give you a list that was like a hundred <laughs> pages long and just be like, okay, here's everything that needs to be in this. Was it similar to yeah. like the Sunbow way of doing it? Like, here's everything that needs to be in here. Make it work. Because yeah. uh, it's just, yeah. I, I'm, I joked at 35, but like, seriously, you meet almost 20 new characters in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's like a great Russian novel. <laughs> the, the, um, the first draft that I did, the the outline, the first draft outline didn't have the um, the new recruits, and it didn't specifically mention Sergeant Slaughter's group, but mm-hmm. it indicated Sergeant Slaughter was going to be the guy that that 
would put Falcon through his paces. He whips him into shape. He whips him into shape. I mean, the Sarge is is supposed to be a drill sergeant character. I mean, that's that's what his persona is mm-hmm. based on. And I said, you know, why don't we just use that? I mean, that's what he is. That's what it's based on. Let him be the GI Joe drill sergeant. And you get so many good lines yeah. out of that yeah. too. You know, at ease, disease, <laughs> oh, and God, I mean, it, every, every time Slaughter would say anything, I would just be like, <laughs> you're so there good. is nothing Bob Remus can't say that that he doesn't sell a hundred percent. It's just he's he's just great. I mean, and and the thing is, if you meet him in civvies. You know, you're thinking, wow, this this is a pretty nice guy. This this guy probably works at a you know distributorship somewhere. Uh-huh. You know, and he's a nice guy. Carries well, a clipboard all day. Exactly. And then then you know he puts on the dark glasses, the um, Smokey the Bear hat, yep. and uh, you know he's an entirely different person. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. No, it was because we did some publicity shots at at his recording. He came in. He's wearing you know polo shirt like this and he's sitting oh, there. Oh, he didn't come dressed as Sergeant Slaughter? I guess <laughs> no, no. I naturally assumed that that's he's what always, he showed up for every time. He sleeps in that as yeah. well. No, but I mean, then then after we did the recording, they said, well, we're going to want some uh, you know publicity photos. And he said, sure. And he goes in the men's room and he comes out uh, five minutes later yeah. as the Sarge. That's, that, that, that's and, from wrestling, though. That's yeah. a wrestling thing is you always have your gear with you. Yeah. No matter. No, that's like a rule. Like When you get trained in wrestling, you might be asked to be your character at a moment's notice. You might show up at a, at a, at a sh- you didn't even know there was a wrestling show that night and all of a sudden they need a guy so if you have your gear in your car with you at all times you can go do that yeah and it's just that is what you are trained to do yeah well that's it's an interesting thing because jim carrey said something about that uh years ago uh he said he at at a certain point he realized my job is to be jim carrey in public Mm -hmm. oh yeah whenever i step out the front door i have to be jim carrey and i i have no idea who's going to interact with me who's going to see me but that's my job. I'm Jim Carrey every Ugh, moment. Exhausting. You know. It would be. It is. Yeah. It was. That's, that's yeah. why you don't hear a lot from him these days. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have you been saying to me, he's been doing he's these really good videos. That, that documentary? That yeah, do? and the yeah. art video that he did. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. he did that like, he did that like, what is it, like a, a song? Didn't he do like some sort of like thing about anti-guns or something like that? He, he, he may he, have. He made been, this huge like music video production of like this anti-gun song he, he wanted. Wow. He's, he's got some, some really interesting stuff though. I mean, I've been, I've yeah. been watching some of the more philosophical philosophical things he's talked about mm-hmm. and you go you know the, he's he's got some insights here he's not somebody you just dismiss and say well he's the the goofy guy from the movies yeah. right. well i mean he's i mean as, as a, he is a flawed you know person as we all are but i mean he does have something to say yeah you might not necessarily agree with it but all the time but i mean he is somebody with an opinion who wants to share that opinion with you which given what we know about you know the ace venturas and the masks of the yeah. world is surprising x number of years yeah. later yeah. to find yeah. out this guy actually has something to say he does yeah yeah he does yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, I know you got to jump. I was yeah. hoping to take maybe just a few more minutes to talk, though. But if you need to jump, yeah, I mean, yeah, Gina, I to... say goodbye to the people at home. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Gina's a big, important Hollywood person <laughs> and <laughs> has places to be. Got places to be. People. Buzz, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so it much for having me, Gina. Yeah, yeah. Great seeing you, too. Don't let these guys keep you here for nine more hours. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying, Gina. Bye. You're not making it easy on I, me. I, Bye, guys. I got an ice pack with my name on it. Yeah. so That's it's true. Too yeah. much uh, Chan, how, how are you feeling, by the way? Whew. Uh, Chan, are we allowed to say this on the air? Sure. Chan got a, a vasectomy, um, and so we were oh, going to. Uh, thanks, sir. <laughs> we okay. were. I mean, so thankfully, mine just doesn't work, so I didn't have to worry about a procedure. <laughs> um, but the part uh, you, that I hated the most when I had mine was the tugging. You're, you're oh, there, oh, and you're feeling oh, something really? tugging. Ooh. You're going. This can't be good. <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> that I would give all mad props to that doctor because 
uh, I felt a little something. I'm like, eh. it's like, oh, you need more uh, 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 numbing stuff. It Oxycontin. put it right back in, and and yeah, all, mm. just the worst part was just hearing like click. Did you get, like, just the noises. Smell? That's all I heard. That's just the a little chair, bit. That's the thing that gets me is the smell of the burning teeth. Uh, oh. It made me cough, or it made me want to cough. And I'm like, don't cough, oh, don't oh, cough. Oh, oh no, Your balls are just going to pop right out. Eyes out. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. We, we, that's why we we originally had scheduled the yesterday to do it, but then this was a uh, this was our conflict. Oh. And it, uh, coming right out of that surgery, I'm sure you can appreciate. Maybe not the time you want to be sitting for a couple hours and <laughs> no, doing yeah. some chats. Well, if you need to break, I mean, let me know. Yeah, all good. Well, I, I figure you know, it's a little. We, we got a little bit more time yeah. uh, for the people at home because uh, we've got you here. Let's take advantage. You know, uh, Chana, do you have any questions uh, about the? Most of them got answered yeah. uh, along the way. Let's see, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did just want to take a moment to say that every time uh, a broadcast energy transmitter came up. It's hilarious because they yes. kept saying BET. They said like, BET. No, please. Was, please was, was, let, was the BET network, network. Was, that, was that a thing? It was just starting up around right. that time, and it was just <laughs> starting to break public consciousness. And again, this goes back to my experience you know, in sci-fi because all the way back in the 1920s, they were – they were talking about Tesla's, um, you know, the the real Tesla, the original Tesla's mm-hmm. idea to to broadcast energy. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was Edison's idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to use it to take yeah. out all of the elephants at once. Yeah. But was that was that was that an, like an an intentional gag of keeping referred to it as BET over and over and over again, or was that just a happy accident? It was, just, that it happened? was a happy accident. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, we we named it. And we couldn't. As you pointed out, we have to call the characters like Nemesis Enforcer their sure. full name <laughs> yeah. every time. That, uh, that mess uh, with Chan's mind yeah. during the viewing. And so, you know, when you've got a, a device, and 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 we had already done that because I mean, there's so many Joe devices that you know the Havoc stands for the the H A V O C or something like that of something of the yeah. other. Yeah, like, like I think the shark is the one that yeah. really got us. Mm. The submersible. Yeah. I can't even like, and it yeah. just it just it that was that was a rough one. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was a funny thing that happened with it during our, our live stream. Is you know you you're aware of the president's or Pentor Twitter account? Yes, I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I mean, I've heard I'm aware <laughs> that it exists. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Um, (laughs) and so the funniest thing to us is during the thing, it's like, of course, President Serpentor wants to shut down BET. Yeah. Of course, that's his major thing he's trying to do for an entire uh, movie episode, (laughs) you know? Mm. Um, but that was great too. I'm trying to think, uh, I wonder, like, I wonder how much the legacy of the G.I. Joe movie was tarnished by, not having Duke die because I feel like in some respects the reason why Transformers yeah, is still that. regarded yeah. as a yeah. uh, movie That's... is like kids remember that you know, yeah. Optimus Prime dying and, it, it... and Duke getting hit with that snake and the and you could see the light going out of his yeah. eyes and the blood and him just like in slow motion like falling to me had so much more impact than what happened to Optimus Prime during the Transformers mm-hmm. and that's to take nothing away from the Optimus Prime moment great moment but seeing a robot get killed. Not as impactful as a flesh and blood human being that you've had four years to hang around with. That's that's the point that I was bringing up at the time, because when when we were doing this and they said we're going to be cycling some of these characters out, we're going to be cycling Duke out of the product line. Jeez, um, 
originally Falcon was supposed to be Hawk's son, but uh, oh, okay, uh, you know, so you can see the bird connection there. But they they nixed that, and so he said, okay, well, he'll be Duke's half brother and half brother because yeah. that's not a thing that was done a lot back in the 1980s there wasn't no. a lot of uh, i don't remember at least uh, it really struck me in the moment of watching it when i was a kid of oh half brother usually like everything is like that 1950s nuclear family yeah. and everything is connected there's not a lot of uh, say the word broken families yeah. but there's not a lot of that in 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 art well, in my in my mind that was what the 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 background of the character in my mind originated that first off, his his father was one of the founders of G.I. Joe. Basically, cool. his father was such a, a driven career man that he had no time for his son. And the only way that the son could get any attention from his father was to you join, know, up. join up. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that would have worked, but they didn't want to go with that. Okay, fine. So now we have to bring him in by another means and we have to, we have to be able to have him have him be a screw up have a reason exist that he doesn't get just kicked out right away and that required some kind of personal emotional attachment familial yeah familial attachment yeah. and so the only other character would have been flint that roadblock one. would have been great but roadblock would have been the best. <laughs> but um, you know flint would have been the only other and we couldn't do flint so you know we came up with the idea of Duke uh, being his his brother, and I thought, well, it's a little it's a little too close for brothers because um, if they were biological brothers, the fact that one is a sergeant and the other is an officer, that would be because he's a lieutenant. Yeah, like he is a very like for being a screw up and a guy we've never heard of before the movie. That was the thing that really struck me is, and it was pointed out to us during the chat. That uh, I believe Falcon outranked Duke. Yeah, which was like in in my in my mind coming into the movie as we watched it, I remembered him being like a lower level dude, not like he's a huge screw up. Everybody just kind of like lets him do his own thing, just so he doesn't bother people and get in the way and mess things up. But I didn't realize he was such a high ranking officer. Well, not high ranking. I mean, lieutenant. Well, comparatively is, speaking, well, you got you got to remember you have you have enlisted, warrant, and commissioned ranks, mm -hmm. and and there's. There's a fine point by why uh, they call one group of officers warrant officers and another group commissioned officers. But basically, enlisted ranks uh, in the U.S. military go from E1 to E9. E1 is a recruit. E2 is basically you finish, you know, you finish basic training. You're the lowest rank in the military other than recruit. Uh, and you can work your way up as an enlisted person up to E9, which would be uh, command sergeant like a, major of the army. Like a squad leader. No, no. no command no, sergeant major is like the guy the, – the enlisted ranks are the guys that do the daily nuts and bolts stuff. And the command sergeant major is the guy whose job it is to see that the nuts and bolts get delivered where the nuts and bolts are needed. Gotcha. They, they implement what the – uh, commanding officer and the executive officer, the policies that they have set, um, you know, and whatever the unit is, if it's let's start at a company and work our way up at a company level, the captain will um, uh, tell the first sergeant, okay, we're I I I want you to have two trucks out front tomorrow, and the first sergeant he gets on the phone, we're going to need the trucks, we're going to need the drivers, I want them gassed up. 
He does that. He does the nuts and bolts. He's he's a managerial position. Handles the logistics yeah, of it. The all. logistics, right. The warrant officers tend to be guys with specialties that are, and this sounds a little classist, but we're going to go with it anyway, specialties above and beyond what enlisted people would have. It's like the lawyers, the computer people, that pilots, kind of thing? Pilots. pilots helicopter pilots. Okay. Most, almost all the helicopter pilots in the, in the Army are warrant officers. And in the other, the Air Force and the Navy, I think they have warrant officer helicopter pilots, but they don't have jet or propeller pilots who who are warrant officers. Those are commissioned officers because a fixed wing is more important than a rotary wing. Um, Anyway, so then you get into what are called the commissioned ranks and you start with O-1, which is – uh, second lieutenant in the army. It's an ensign in the the navy, um, and you work your way up to. Um, oh gosh, that wouldn't be like a general or an. Well, admiral. you get all the way up to to gen, uh, general of the army, I think. And uh, at a certain point, you 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 run out of ranks. Five stars is the highest rank you can achieve, but you can be given command of other five stars at that point. If you are, for example, the army chief of staff, you're a five-star general and you have authority over all the other five-star generals because you're the army chief of staff. And if you are whatever officer you are, if you are the joint chief of staff, you're in charge of the whole military, and you get to tell the guys in the other services, "Well, you do this thing, or you do that thing," and you know. So they, where does where does Falcon lie on this? Falcon would have been a first lieutenant. Okay, he would have. He has gotten through, in my mind, officers' candidate school, which uh, is is different from West Point. Mm-hmm. He would have never survived West. He could Point. not have handled that. No, 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 no. no. But he, he could needs a have. Waiver. Yeah, he could have attended OCS as a college student, frat boy. He could have met the relatively low standards of OCS, you know, discipline while in college. He could have gotten out, and then after he was, you know, got out of college, he he goes to a formal training program just to to teach you what it's like to be an officer on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and then he gets his rank he gets to be a, a second lieutenant and from second lieutenant as long as you don't screw up royally you know well, you know like bring an enemy combatant onto the base <laughs> yeah. in the form of a date for example just for example, for example. do they teach you but, to check the masks in yeah. ocs <laughs> but just, uh, just just grab on the chin and just see yeah. if there's a if it just rips yeah. off I saw a Scooby Doo parody uh, comic like right as I was before I left for coming here today, and it was uh, uh, it was just and that's because it's old man you know Nelson from the amusement park and yanks on the face and just rips their face off and they're just yeah. bleeding everywhere and just <laughs> horrifically like everybody's yeah. everybody's sad <laughs> and I just like uh, that's what Falcon should have done yeah <laughs> should have figured it out Zarana. I mean, to be fair though, if you're a Joe and you're dating somebody you've never met you know that that nobody's ever met before. You have to assume 98% of the time it's going to be a member this of Cobra. Is, this is exactly the thing. We go back to, you know, as I said, uh, embracing the absurdity. That is correct. And also, it, I don't think Falcon would care. Yeah. Just for would, the record, yeah. he'd probably get more excitement out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that that was what the, the thinking was in my head. And, and he becomes part of the Joes because 
Duke is pulling strings to get him in, and he's also he kind of wants to rub his brother's nose in it too. Yeah, and they had to be half brothers, not full brothers, because if they were full brothers, both of them would have had the same opportunity. I feel makes sense, and so I, I view him as uh, his his. Um, they have the same mother but different fathers. Oh, okay. That was that was, in my mind. That was what differentiated the two of them. And so, what happened to Duke's father? Original father was he in a coma? I just yeah. assume <laughs> it's a family tradition. It might be. Uh, I, I had not. I had not thought that deeply into it. But gotcha. I mean, Duke, in my mind, had processed the fact that uh, you know his father was no longer in his life. Um. And and you know now that I'm thinking about it a little more, maybe the Joes represent the father that he wanted to to you know or even General Hawk to a, yeah, to a level exactly yeah there's there yeah. is that camaraderie that he was you know he it, it is fulfilling the void that you know he wished that his father you know and I I don't even know if his father divorced his mom or the mom divorced the dad or maybe the dad did die or something like that. It's it's uh, to me it was just they had to be step brothers uh, or half brothers rather they there had to be enough of a family connection that Duke would feel protective to him but there had to be some sense of um, separateness as well yeah it's just the, that's the thing I mean I think that's like the big thing with the movie because I, I I love the movie mm-hmm. like the movie is is. It is from the G.I. Joe show that is my number one. It is of that, but it is not that. Yeah. I mean, it is its own property kind of in a thing. And, and that's what's so crazy is you mentioned G.I. Joe. And because it's a movie, so many people remember the movie yeah. much more so than the, the brilliant TV show that was affected me so greatly. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's one of the things about it is like you just I can't. It's G.I. Joe, but it's not quite G.I. Joe because yeah. it is so thematically different. All the characters are different, and then most of them never seen well, again. That's, that's a problem that crops up frequently when they make movies based on TV shows. In the in the 1960s, they, uh, Universal made a couple of movies on McHale's Navy. Mm-hmm. And um, they made a, a Munsters movie. Yeah, like all the, the Gilligan's Island movies. They made like yeah, a million well, those of are, them. Those are like movies for TV. I'm talking about actual oh, theatrical, but like theatrical releases. Release. Okay. And I remember as a kid going to see the McHale's Navy movie because I, I, I liked the McHale's Navy TV show. And you're not talking about the one with uh, Kelsey Grammer. No, no. That I'm came talking, far later. Yeah. That, this, this was the one that was uh, with Ernest Borgnine that actually, believe it or not, got its start as a very straight – uh, World War II adventure story on wow. a on a on a uh, anthology series, and they liked the concept so much they turned it into a, a, a sitcom. Nice. They they just took all the. That's so crazy. I would never yeah. have thought McHale's Navy is a spinoff of the Munsters. Well, not the Munsters. Oh, okay. No, of, a, of an anthology. Okay. It was an anthology sh- show. But I just want that to be true now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but the, when they did the McHale's Navy. Movies, even as a kid, I remember watching it going, this is not the TV show. This right. is this is the characters of the TV show, and they're doing stuff 
similar to what they do in the TV show, but this is not the TV show. Right. And even like, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of like the Batman uh, 1966, like the movie they made where they replaced Catwoman with a totally, you know, with Lee Merriweather or even the Simpsons movie that came out. I mean, at this point, probably forever ago, but like, I remember it like it's still a fresh hot property Yeah, uh, where it's just, it's just an extension out of this thing, but it has to be grander in scale Yeah, because it's a movie. It has to be bigger. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things that made the Star Trek movies work was that they successfully reimagined what Star Trek was for the theatrical experience. That's a great point. Yeah. No, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah, because they do work Mm -hmm. for the most part, for the most of them. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, Buzz, I think that's pretty much all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for coming with us. Do you have any uh, any things you want to plug or any any last things, uh, social media you want to put out there for the people? Well, my my G.I. Joe novel, uh, The Most Dangerous Man in the World, which is based on the... The lost G.I. Joe episode, the 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 story I would have done if they hadn't dropped Serpentor into my lap. <laughs> uh, that's out there. That's uh, people seem to like it. I've read it. It's fantastic. Uh, you get the origin story of shipwreck in there, uh, and it's just it's it, it's a really good read. Like it, it's it's it, it's un- unlike the movie as much. This feels like G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. If that if that makes if that makes a little bit of sense. Like uh, like I, I consider them like I said two separate properties. This novel, Most Dangerous Man in the World, is of the G.I. Joe uh, uh, world. Definitely. Well, I I um, I have that out. I have uh, my young adult novel coming out very soon. Excellent. Uh, Poor Banished Children of Eve. Which is a I describe as a World War II Lord of the Flies with Catholic schoolgirls. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm already in. And we have, <laughs> I have other properties that are be coming out soon. And oh, uh, keep your eyes open. I have a short story coming out this year in analog science fiction. Ooh, nice. While you sleep, computer mice earn their keep. Beautiful. There it is, guys. So uh, do all of those things. Any social media? You want your Twitter account I'm or anything? On, I'm. You can find me on Facebook. I am at Buzz Dixon Writer on Twitter. I am on Instagram. And um, if they create any more social media, I'll probably be on there. There it is. There it is. Uh, cool. Uh, Chan, anything you want to plug really quick before we jump out? Um, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> okay, uh, go ahead, guys. Support yeah. Planned Parenthood. Uh, say the ACLU. I'm a big fan of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, guys, uh, so social media, you can hit us up. Of course, you can go to uh, Facebook.com/slash. You can still go to Knowing Is Half the Podcast or Patreon.com/slash. Knowing Is Half the Podcast. If you want to support us in that way uh, and get all the bonus content. Uh, also, you can hit us up on Twitter at GI Joe Podcast. But individually, I am at Almighty Ray. I'm at 999 RPMs, and I'm at Gina Ippy. <laughs> That's was your that my Gina, Gina impression? That's your hey, Gina. guys, I'm at Gina Ippy. Wait a minute. No. Was sure that? I've heard Gina's Wait, impression of Benny Arthur. I've heard Gina's impression of me, and I think I at least like uh, match. Okay, no, levels. that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. But until then, Buzz, again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thanks, man. Um, thank you. You know, these will be going up very, very soon. I'll, I'll let you know. Um, and you guys at home, we'll see you next week with another recap episode. We want to do something a little bit different. We're going to start recapping G.I. Joe the movie in our traditional kind of recap setting uh, and go through it piece by piece with some guests and whatnot. Uh, so look forward to that. But we, we we definitely wanted to talk to Buzz first before we all get that done, and, and here we've done it. So, thank you guys so much. We'll catch y'all next week. Bye bye now. Bye.
Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films.